Welcome to the Weight Training Podcast with your host, Tracy Waite. Welcome to the Weight Training Podcast. This is Coach Tracy Waite with you. Welcome to episode number 16. I've got quite a special guest for you today. This is an episode I've been wanting to do for quite a while. And today I'm going to share with you an interview I did with my daughter, Liliana Waite. We did this while I was traveling uh, for work. I was in the car. So some of the audio gets a little bit, um, it's got some background noise and we get cut off a couple of times, but I've edited it out. But I just wanted to be able to share with you her message and the things that she shares around teamwork, focus, uh, why she chose the sports that she's in. She's an accomplished volleyball player that played uh, over six years of club volleyball. And then she, in the springtime, also played tennis as she was growing up. And that actually allowed her to get a scholarship to play college tennis. So she'll share a little bit of that journey with us. And I just love her unique perspective on who she is and how she sees the world. So I'm excited to share that with you. So without further ado, here is Liliana Waite. Hey, Lily, welcome to the Weight Training Podcast. It's so great to have you on our show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you making time out of your busy college schedule to pop on and have a conversation. Sounds good to me. Hey, um, if people out there don't know, uh, Liliana Waite is my daughter. Um, I might be biased, but she's an amazing, incredible human being, um, both as an athlete, a student, but as a person, more importantly. And she's somebody that I wanted to share some of her thoughts of just how she lives her life and how she looks at her world around her um, with all of you, because she has some really great things to say and a, a very unique perspective on life itself. So Lily, thanks for being here. Um, I want to get started with uh, just asking you a little bit of um, what year in school you are. I am a sophomore at Heston College. And that's in Kansas, right? That's in Heston, Kansas. Makes it quite easy since the name is in the name of the town. <laughs> yes, exactly. So what made you choose that school? You know, of all the schools you could choose to go to, why did you go to Heston college um it was definitely tennis for sure i got a good tennis offer from there from a web recruiting website and i took a tour and i really enjoyed it i love the hospitality um i love the people i love how small the school is i like that personal um touches that they do and how much the teachers care about you and i just feel like i'm right at home so you have a roommate that's from Tokyo, Japan. <clears throat> How many international students go to that school? Um, I know that it's 25 different countries represented and 30 states. I do not know a number except for that. Wow. So that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot of different countries. Very diverse. It's made up of mostly international students and it's amazing to uh, be a part of one's culture and learning about different cultures and stuff. Yeah. That's awesome. Isn't there a very high percentage of athletes that go there also? Yes. Most people come there originally to either play sports for nursing school or for aviation. Got it. Well, what are your plans with um, 
your college? What are you majoring in? Um, I am majoring in business, um, but I'll be graduating Heston with an Associate of Arts degree because I want to do more hospitality. That's more of the branch that I want to go towards. So, so Heston College is a two-year school, so you'll have your AA degree when you leave there. Um, mm-hmm. I know that you just recently found out some exciting news. What um, are you going to be doing between leaving Heston and starting the next college? Um, starting from August 5th to January 2nd of 2020, I will be participating in the Disney College program, which is super, super exciting. It's a paid internship that's about six and a half months. Um, so I'll be down there in um, Orlando, Florida, working in the parks and learning 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 the Disney way of hospitality. Learning the Disney way of hospitality and maybe some other um, topics that I may like also. I want to explore more yeah. to see if I still like hospitality. But, yeah. yeah, I think that's that's a good way to f- find out if that's a, a career that you want to go into is actually working in it. So mm-hmm. uh, we're excited for you mm-hmm. to be able to get that opportunity. So I want to hear a little bit about uh, you and your athletic background. Give me an idea of what different sports you've played and when you started, um, what age you were when you started playing sports. I don't quite know what age I was. I feel like I was like 11 or 12, maybe 10, maybe when I started playing soccer. I played soccer first, played that for a little bit. I did basketball for a few years. I did softball for one season just to try it out. Um, but I've mostly stick stuck with uh, volleyball and tennis. So I've played five sports in my lifetime. Uh, we had a plastic bat and a baseball in the backyard. And I think I remember throwing you pitches and you hitting the ball out of our yard into the neighbor's yard. So right. I, I, think yeah. that we, I think we saw that you had some athletic tendencies at a really early age. Right. So what, did, what is it that you ultimately liked about volleyball and tennis, do you think? Kind of hard to say, but I love both of them equally. I don't ever want to split those two apart, um, but I love being a part of a team. I like working for a team, working for each other, for the same common goal, the same purpose. Yes. So when things go good, it's really nice to celebrate with the people that help you get there or you help somebody there like it's a really good feeling to help each other yeah i think that this might have this might have come up in your interview with disney um what is it you think makes a good teammate someone who puts one's needs um not like towards somebody like you put other people's needs before your own okay i love that because mm-hmm. that's uh, that's a good way of being a servant, right, to the the other teammates that you have. Yes, I love that. So, what positions in volleyball did you mostly play? Uh, when I first started out, I was a middle, and then it transitioned to outside. But I'm primarily outside hitter, which I like better. But I've also <laughs> hit right side I've been back row I've kind of been all over but I'm more dominantly outside hitter. yeah as you know your dad coaches club volleyball mm-hmm. and had a chance to coach you when you were in club the club ages mm-hmm. uh, 
I remember you playing all the way around. You were pretty much good at anything we uh, threw at you. Huh. Wouldn't say that, but I am very <laughs> good at um, reflexes. So I go with the flow with both things, and it turns out pretty good. Yeah, that brings up a good uh, point about how well you played volleyball, and I think uh, it translated to tennis also. If you can remember or if you can think about when reading the other team and what it is that they're about to do and positioning yourself, when when in your volleyball career do you think that you started really being able to anticipate um, where to put yourself, you know, depending on whether or not you saw a tip coming or whether it was a back row attack or whether it was from the right side or the outside or the middle? It seems like you always were in the perfect spot to make a perfect pass. Can you give us some type of an idea of what kinds of things you would think about to be able to put yourself in the right spot? Uh, I would say practice makes progress because <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. you don't just like see a hit coming and then automatically you're in the right spot. It kind of takes a little bit of work to um, see the patterns that you normally see in different teams, but it's the same patterns just from different people. So you just watch the hand so you're able to make minor adjustments. You can somewhat see where the ball is coming. But I would say practice makes progress. I don't think it started out that way. Because even when you mess up, you're like, okay, well, I can um, move over to the right a little bit. I can move up a little bit. Or I'll move back a little bit and it's kind of deep. So you just, once you start making those little adjustments, it's just keep practicing until it gets right. Where did you learn that to continually make little adjustments if you weren't successful the first time? My dad. Seriously? My dad. Because that's something that I, I try to teach to all the athletes and players that I have. But it seems like some pick it up slower than others. So, I mean, it seems like you picked that up you know, much quicker. And it's not anything that I really had to reinforce with you. I will say this. Um, I think some people are born competitively and some don't always have that competitive drive but I feel like that competitive drive is something that you have to be born with some people need like a little more motivation in order to get up to that level but some people are just born with that instinct of I'm gonna get it I'm gonna get it so not everyone wants to dig deep and like be really competitive like I am yeah, so you think that, that that burning desire to be competitive is just something that you always had and you never really had to uh, force yourself to do it? Yeah, I've never really forced it, like, forced it to, like, come to me. I, I don't know, for most of my life, I feel like I've always been really competitive. Um, it has its pros and cons, but I think it's <laughs> mostly yeah. a pro. But when yeah, you're playing for, sure, for right? fun, it's kind of hard because that competitive drive still is there, but when people are trying to have fun, they're just trying to have fun. But there's a difference between having fun and being competitive. I still don't know the lines. They blur a little bit sometimes, but... Yeah, the object of the game for a lot of people that are competitive is to win. Yeah, um, win and get the ball. That's all you need to yeah, do. Yeah, exactly. So in tennis, let's transfer over to tennis. You had a partner. You played doubles uh, all four years in tennis, and you had the same partner for three years. Is that right? Three years, yes. Tell me, um, or share with our listeners, what some of the success was that you had with that partner in high school. Well, one. What are some of the things you guys did? Yeah, one, she was my best friend, so that was kind of easy. Um, yeah. Two, 
we both kind of had the same wavelength. We were kind of like chill people. We don't overly celebrate in tennis. We kind of like when something happens, we're like, yay, good job. So like when we were on the same wavelength, there wasn't one person that was like all the way up and the person's all the way down. Uh, we both had the same emotions. I guess that's what that was. Um, three, we just, we talked. We practiced with each other. So, like, when we saw things that weren't going right, we were like, hey, let's just try this. Hey, do you want to try that? Do you want to come up to the net? Yeah, sure, let's do that. So, we just, open communication is also extremely important. And you think having the same partner for three years really helped you guys to develop some chemistry and some trust of knowing just where each other were going to be on the court for different types of plays and different circumstances? Yes, I think so. Because I know from experience of freshman year when I first started, I had about like four or five different partners. Every time you change a partner, it kind of throws off the chemistry because you have to work with someone who has a totally different chemistry than the last person did. So like the more you play with that person, the more chemistry you'll have. But if that breaks up all of a sudden, then like that chemistry kind of breaks off. Yes. So it's really hard you, to transition. Do you think that that same thing applies to a team sport like volleyball, where there's, you know, six to ten players on the team? Do you think that having the core um, number of players stay the same from season to season really helps that team to grow its chemistry and trust and you know teamwork? Or do you think that that could be recreated if there's a different 10 players on the team every single club season? Um, I feel like if there's the same 10 people, you go very close and everything's good. And then when there is somebody new, like you welcome them with open arms. Sometimes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was like, sometimes. Um, but I feel like it's really important to um, make sure that you do welcome people in open arms when there is new people and if it is the same people just kind of know like don't do the same thing over and over again try different things i guess if that makes sense so what you're saying is having the same core of players on a team from season to season helps you to gel quicker and to bring maybe one or two new players that join the team up to speed quicker than if it was 10 brand new players every single year yes i mean i kind of agree with this example of high school versus club high school is a much shorter season like that's only like two and a half months almost three maybe so that's like hard because like everyone comes from different backgrounds and i mean it could be the same people but it's usually not the same people over and over again um and it's like you don't gel as much versus club where it's like nine-ish months you bond more you bond quicker so i feel like yeah that's a good example too that's awesome thanks for sharing that hey i got some questions i want to ask you that are a little bit off topic but i want to dive into a little bit about how lily looks at the world tell me if i was able to get you the contract to have a billboard on the side of a freeway and you could put whatever message you wanted on there. What message would you put on that billboard? I, the message that I would put on there is you do you because in the end you have to take care of yourself in life. Like you, like I come to college and getting a degree, but I want to get a degree that I want to do 
Like, I want to do the rest of my life. Like, I don't want to do a degree that someone else is like, hey, you should do this. Yes. I think you need to pick what you want to do in life and love what you do. Why is that important? Um, I think that's important because, I mean, for health also, like, if you want to be healthy, no one can just, like, tell you, oh, you should be healthy. Sometimes people don't get motivated that way. For me, I need to just do that myself. So if I want to put in the work and the effort to doing something that I love, then I want to do that. So I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. <laughs> Very wise, Lily. Yeah, Very so wise. I would say you do you because you should just do you in the end. Like, if you want to take care of yourself, you have to take care of yourself to be healthy, yep. to be loved, all that jazz. This brings up a good point, and I want to hear your thoughts on it. You know, social media is a really big thing. Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook. What are your thoughts on, you know, how popular those things have gotten? And, you know, what is your relationship with those? Do you do you look at, you know, different people that you follow and stuff and look at um, their highlight reel of, you know, their perfect days? And do you, do you ever feel like you compare yourself or do you think your friends compare yourself to, you know, the best of the best days that somebody's having? And they compare, you know, their worst days to that. You know, do you think that that's healthy or unhealthy? I'd just love to hear your perspective as a, you're not a teenager anymore. You just turned 20. But as yeah. a, as a, as a uh, young 20 year old, what your thoughts are on social media and people comparing themselves because you know, your billboard is you do you and don't worry about what other people think. You know, you do what brings you joy, but you know, sometimes social media, we can see people putting out, you know, how people want to be perceived instead of necessarily what actually is happening. So I'm sorry, I'll give you the, the floor to talk about that. I mean, you pretty much took the words out of my mouth. That's actually what I was going to say is that there are quite a few friends that I have that um, they like this persona. They like this persona of having a lot of likes, a lot of friends. It makes them feel popular. It makes them feel good. And then there are some of my friends that look up to those people and they're like, oh my gosh, they have so much more friends than I do. Oh my gosh, why didn't my photo get more likes? Maybe I need to do it this way. Maybe I have to do it that way. I think a lot of people try to compare themselves on social media. And I feel like that's a bad thing because, like I said, you should just do you. I mean, for Pete's sake, I have 457 followers on Instagram. And it stayed like that for like four years. <laughs> yeah. So mine hasn't grown. Mine hasn't really, like decreased heavily but I don't care the right people are going to like your stuff the right people will comment the ones will support you but those are the people that should matter the ones that like love you and support you and I think you should post stuff that makes you happy not for other people to be like oh my gosh she posted this wow she's so great you right. just post what you want to post and that's I think that what you're describing is the, the followers or subscribers that you have are your lifers, the people that really get Lily or that get who you are and that, you know, like everything about you. And you guys have, you know, a really good, healthy relationship. And so you're fine with just having people that interact with you on a healthy level, no matter what the number is. Yes. Is that... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody brought this up recently. What if on social media you couldn't see how many likes that you got on a post. Do you think that it would decrease the popularity of social media? Um, hmm, that's a good question. I, 
I feel like it kind of would because in our, in my generation at least, it seems like everyone is fueled off of likes and people noticing them. Like if they get a lot of likes, it means they're getting a lot of attention and they like that. If people didn't see what like the likes were and everything, I feel like some people would have anxiety, which that is bad. It means you're too connected to social media and you're too absorbed with what people think of you. Because if someone did that to me, just like walked off the likes and like how many people saw my photo, I wouldn't care. Because I would know that my family and my true friends are looking at them. The ability to see the likes because you're posting stuff that you like and that you're comfortable with and that kind of is a, a part of your personality and you don't care what other people really think. Yeah, exactly. Got it. Well, thanks for sharing that because I'm just curious what your thoughts were from a 20-something on social media because it's becoming a bigger thing and it's not going anywhere. Yep. I feel that it's like a tool, you know, that um, you know, tools can be used for positive and if they're misused, you know, tools can really hurt people. And so I feel like if social media is used correctly, it can be, you know, a very positive, uh, productive thing. Right. Well, just a couple more questions for you. Thanks so much for carving some time out. Of course. Um, I want to hear a little bit about um, what Lily thinks about when it comes to your career. So like in the next five years, if you could design the perfect scenario from a career or a business standpoint what would you like to see yourself doing in the next five years although i'm fully not sure if i'm going to stay with hospitality or not i do know that in the next five years and onward i'm going to be working for the disney company i think it's the company (laughs) that i'm going to be staying with all the time every year all the time so that's the career goal is to work for disney Yep, and I'm going to retire there for sure. <laughs> you know, being uh, somebody that's very competitive and that has a lot of athletic background in both tennis and volleyball, I want to hear a little bit about how you like to be coached. You know, I know that I was um, on the coaching staff when you played a lot, but you also had Coach Marshall in tennis and you had Coach Kevin, you know, as the head coach. We did that by design. I didn't want to be your head coach in volleyball. But how do you like to be coached? You know, do you like to be yelled at? Do you like to be given, you know, like the whys behind why to do certain things on the court or on the um, floor? Tell me a little bit about, you know, what types of things are productive to hear from a coach and how you like to be coached. Well, I'm gonna, I guess I could say this from two perspectives, but from volleyball, I like just quiet, gentle, and calmness, like saying, okay, I noticed what you did. Here's a few suggestions. I don't like being yelled at. I feel like I get really stressed and I get really nervous because if I make any mistake, I feel like they're going to be yelling at me again. So I don't think most... So the yelling never never, um, really motivated you to play harder or to play better? No, because I would know that they're mad. Then it throws off the whole tension. I mean, it throws off the whole vibe, and it makes tension. And yes. it's just—it's usually a very bad scenario because people start playing scared, and I play scared. So I yes. like being like calm, and like someone just telling me, "Hey, it's okay. You totally got the next one. Try doing this. Yes. Try doing a little things here and there. You'll be set to go." That was really nice. In tennis, that's also the same way. 
But in tennis, I'm either like I like calm, and I like you telling me, "Hey, you got the next one. It's okay." During changeovers, I love being talked to. When I'm like alone, it feels kind of weird. Um, but sometimes I do like when I'm not talked to because I know what I need to work. Yes, and it, like, that's a good if point. If they try to get in my head, I'm like, "There's so much stuff going on. Please leave me be." So there are some stressful situations where I don't need to be talked to. I just need to calm down, take a breath, drink water, walk calm, and just think. But overall, I like someone who's calm and is going to tell me that you got the next one. It's okay. You're good. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay. Yep. Somebody that's supportive and encouraging. Yes, I agree. I heard this uh, recently. Somebody said that when you're stressed out and nervous, that you lose like 15 IQ points, which doesn't help you to be any smarter out on the floor or out on the court. So I think that you're confirming that. Right. I love that. Um, a little bit more on the athletic front, you know, when it comes to how you think about things. So you, you're basically saying you feel like it's possible to be overcoached. Yes. You know, where they can be giving you too many things to think about to where that could be detrimental to your performance. Is that what you're saying? Is to just keep it simple? Yes. If you are going to overcoach, at least do like make it simple. Like just like calmly talk to them or say like one or two things. Don't like shove multiple ideas into an athlete because an athlete's mind is always thinking a lot. So if you shove too much information there, it affects the simple things that they can do. Yes, I love that. Share with us um, a couple of thoughts on what you're telling yourself in your head when um, you're in a really close game and you are the one that's back there to serve. And if you don't get this serve over and get it over, you know, um, aggressively, that you're probably going to lose. What kinds of things are you telling yourself to stay calm and to be able to execute under pressure? Is this from like a serving point or just like when, whatever, wherever you are? Whenever, whether it's, you know, you're being served too and you have to return it, um, you know, make a good pass in volleyball or in tennis. What kinds of things are you doing to keep yourself calm to be able to make that play? Because you know what it's like if you're tense, if you're nervous and you're not confident, when you're in a close game, you know what's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> More often than not is when people get tense is they don't execute successfully. Right. So you, you were never that person. You were always able to stay so calm and to be able to execute under pressure. I just want to hear a little bit of what you were telling yourself or how you kept yourself calm. Well, this is going to sound really weird, but I actually don't think of anything. Because if I think, oh, I got this, oh, I got this, then I overpsych myself, and then I'm like, oh, okay. So I actually just kind of take a deep breath, and I just chill, and I just focus on the person. Like, I don't think about really anything, no words, no nothing, but I think about who is on the other side of the net. And I think, okay, this pass is going to be right to the setter. Or in tennis, it's like, okay, I'm going to gently hit it over. I'm not going to overhit it or do anything. I'm just going to keep it simple. And then as you get into the game, then start taking risks. What kinds of things are important to live right now in your life? I would say friends, family, 
um, sports, but I would also say my happiness. Like, I want to do things that make me happy. I want to be around people that will make me happy and not drag me down or make me upset. That was some tremendous information, Lily. Really appreciate you coming on the Weight Training Podcast and sharing your wisdom with us. I really love the things that you had to share, and uh, you actually blew, blew your dad away with uh, some of your really insightful and positive comments. So thanks so much. We might have to have you on again, but we wish you all the best of luck this summer as you finish your second year in school and uh, start your Disney College program. But uh, I just wanted to ask you all a favor. If you are getting some good value from this podcast, if you'd go to iTunes and leave a rating, uh, five-star ratings really help uh, this podcast to be found. And leaving a review really uh, gives some people that are interested in finding a podcast like this a good insight into the types of information that you're getting and what um, your takeaways are. So if you would do that, that would be awesome and uh, just would be really appreciative. So Hope you guys have a fantastic rest of your day and look forward to catching up with you on the next podcast. Talk to you soon.